Welcome to another episode of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast, brought to you by The Good Success Group. We are grateful to God for your presence, participation, and partnership. And now, here is Reverend Greer. Before we get into the Word of God, let us have a brief moment of prayer. Like the Word made flesh, allow the words of my mouth to be redeemed by you, God, so that they may be effective and accomplish your holy desires for your people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, and it reads as follows. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I want to speak today from the subject, table manners. I want to talk about table manners. As you may recall, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they wanted to be like other nations. And so they petitioned God for a king of their own. They got a king in the person of Saul. Even after he fails to champion for and obey God's will over his own, God does not dismantle this kingdom. Instead, God elects to change its leadership. In Saul, God gave the people the king that they wanted. Next, God prepares to give them the king that they needed. This passage today drops us in the middle of the narrative of God's rejection of Saul and the anointing of his successor. The opening of the chapter finds prophet Samuel still grieving over the failure of King Saul. And God kind of comically has to prompt the prophet to stop his sniffling and to get on with the business of locating the next in line. God gives Samuel an assignment to go to Bethlehem to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the king. Samuel feared going to Bethlehem, however, on this particular mission from God because he suspected that if King Saul heard about it, he would surely kill him. And therefore, God gives Samuel permission and instructions to carry out this task in secret, which was fine because the anointing of the king, uh, the new king that was to take the place of Saul, was not to be made known publicly for some years to come. Upon arriving in the city of Bethlehem, Samuel invites Jesse and his sons to participate in offering a sacrifice to the Lord and to share in the meal that would follow. This would give Samuel the opportunity to observe each of Jesse's sons in hopes of discerning and anointing the future king. He looked the sons over one by one and became sure that the next king was in his presence. Samuel apparently had not learned his lesson from his experience with Saul that the outer appearance of a person was not as nearly as important as the inner. Verse 7 tells us that God judges the heart. 
it seems that both the father Jesse and the prophet Samuel were more focused on charm and charisma uh, while God was more focused on the character of the person. Now, don't get it twisted. The text makes it very clear that David was not a bad looking dude himself. He was just young and maybe not as big and strong as his older brothers were, at least not yet. God reveals to Samuel that none of the sons before him are chosen by God for this purpose of kingdom leadership. This prompts Samuel to ask Jesse if he has any other sons. Is there someone else that has not been considered? Jesse confirms that indeed he does have another son, but this son is young and outside in the fields with the filthy animals. See, he was so insignificant in his father's eyes that Jesse did not even invite him because he was sure the prophet would not be interested in him. And so he leaves David out of the room that has been reserved for those who have been invited. But the Lord was extremely interested in this young man. And so he who was not invited to have a seat at the table is now the person who was waited for as the principal guest. Nothing related to this sacrificial meal is allowed to proceed. The prophet Samuel declares that we will not sit down until he arrives. Now this moment is a point of great tension in the passage because no one knows what is about to happen next. But one thing is clear. David must be brought to the table. Now, I found it interesting in reading this passage that Jesse and his sons are purified, they are sanctified, they are made right and ready to participate in this sacrificial uh, meal. And yet, beloved, none of the sons had what it took to receive God's approval for this great anointing that was about to take place. Now, we're not told anywhere in the passage that David is cleaned up, that he is purified. We're not told that he is made uh, right and ready uh, as far as his out of appearance before he is allowed to walk into this room where this table has been prepared. It just says that he is brought in. The father and the brothers, I would say, they didn't have manners enough to include David. He is not even invited. As such, he is left out in his dirty clothes during his dirty job of being a good shepherd. Indeed, it seems that David is an afterthought in this passage. Maybe they figured that he was fit enough for table scraps, but he definitely was not made for the main course. And so he's left out of the room. But when David finally enters the room, my friends, God tells Samuel that David is indeed the one. Thankfully, Samuel heeded and heard the voice of the Lord and obeyed by anointing David. From that point onward, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and left King Saul. That's what the text tells us. It would be years, however, before David wore Saul's crown. But from that moment forward, the kingdom was secure for David. My friend, there are some agendas that have been trying to move forward that will affect your very life. But I have come to tell you today that they are being held up by God and they will not go forward until you are in the room and you have a seat at the table. The conversation has to stop. That's great news for some of us today because you have been left out, you have been overlooked, you have been pushed aside for far too long. But this text serves as another great example of God's habit 
and penchant for initiating these great reversals that we see throughout the Bible and throughout our own lives. God often uses the people whom we would reject and vice versa. And so David, while he was initially not even allowed to be in the room where the table was set, we see later in the Bible that this city will become known as the city of David and the place of the Savior's birth. He couldn't get into the room, but then they ended up naming the whole city after him. Isn't that something? I know our table manners would suggest that we do not talk about politics at the table, especially in these politically charged times that we're living through. And that's okay because I don't want to talk about politics at the table. I want to talk about the politics of the table. For example, who is invited to sit at the table? Who is invited to speak? Who's even invited to be represented or presented in the room at the table? My friends, these are great questions to consider even as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. Before communing with King Jesus who invites and meets us all at the table, let us consider who have we left out? Who have we not included? Who have we considered to be insignificant and unworthy to feast upon this holy meal? When and where are the moments that we need to stand up and refuse to sit down until no one is left out, until no one is excluded from the table? Even though David is not initially brought into the room where the feast of the Lord is scheduled to begin, the outcome of what is designed to happen will affect him. Although he is considered an outsider in this moment, he is still a subject of the kingdom and his ruddy and muddy life mattered to God. How many times in how many rooms and at how many tables are decisions being made that will affect our very lives, even if we have not been invited to sit at the table? How about in our families or on our jobs or in our churches, in our communities or our governmental systems? We are often not invited into the room nor brought to the table. To illustrate that, I'll tell you the following story. As many of you may know, I was a ward of the state of Illinois until the age of 18. I was in foster care with my aunt and uncle from the time I was 12. And during these years, we would often meet with a team of people in these very large conference rooms with these super long tables. At these staffing meetings, as they were called, we would often discuss the past, the present, and the future. And I was frequently invited to give input and talk during these meetings. And it was always interesting to me to see who was at the table, who was invited and who was not. And when I was transitioning from high school to college, um, apparently my caseworkers changed and there was some paperwork that was supposed to be completed before my 18th birthday. Okay, but it didn't happen. The new caseworker, he did not complete the form. And when he was asked about why he did not submit the paperwork, he said he did not know that he was supposed to do it. And so it didn't happen. And this was a very costly oversight for me. This paperwork, if submitted on time, would have guaranteed and greatly reduced my financial debt for my undergraduate studies. Unfortunately, I only found out about this recently when I ran into one of the state supervisors who told me about this and lamented over it. My friends, this was the one time that I was not included at the table. For had I known about this paperwork, I would have hounded the old and the new caseworker and the supervisors and everybody else in that building until it was completed. 
but I was not at the table. And so I didn't know about this information. I found out through this experience that there is a great cost associated with not being at the table. And to the parents watching or listening today, we don't know who or what our sons and daughters have been elected and chosen by God to become. Therefore, we should not play favorites or cherish some over the others because we need to bring them all to the table. We need to present them all equally to the Lord to see how God wants to use them. Amen. Finally, my friends, I've heard that there's an election taking place in our country this week. And I know that God already knows the outcome, even at this very moment. And yet you and I have a role to play in this process, just like Samuel and Jesse had a role to play in the passage before us today, we have a job to do this week. Now, my family and my church members, we have mostly all voted early, and I hope you've done the same. But if you haven't, I urge you to make a plan to get out there and vote this week. Amen. Uh, because this is the only way to make sure that your voice and those whom you love are present and represented at the table. And know this, my friends, if you are not at the table, you are on the menu. Thankfully, King Jesus has great table manners and he invites us all to his table. That includes you and that includes me. But if you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today is a great day to do so. Amen. Will you pray with me? Let us turn our hearts to prayer. Lord Jesus, for far too long, I have kept you out of my life. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I receive your gift of salvation and am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and given me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart now, Lord Jesus, and be my savior forever. Amen. And I also want to pray that we would have better table manners. So will you pray with me one more time? Father God, forgive us for the times that we have preferred the flashy over the faithful, the person with charm over the person with a solid character. Oftentimes, if we be honest, we accept whom you reject and we reject those whom you would elect. Holy Spirit, help us to have your eyes and sensitivities in these matters. Help us to have better table manners so that we are more inclusive. Jesus, we thank you for including us at your table, even when others would have kept us away. Help us to go and do what you have done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Good Success Group would like to thank you for listening to and sharing this episode of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast. If you have not already done so, please consider subscribing to this podcast so you can be notified of any future programming. And to sponsor future episodes of the Looking Forward, Reaching Back podcast, please click on the support button or connect with us via Cash App or PayPal. 
The information to do so is listed under the description for this episode. We thank you so much for your support. Stay blessed.